You are listening to the Practice Growth Podcast with Sean Terrell. Welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and really excited about the guest for today's episode. It's Brian Chambers. Brian is the Regional Director of Practice Finance for the Midwest Region at Provide, which was formerly known as Lendever until very recently. Brian, welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. Great to have you here. Thanks, Sean. Really appreciate you having me. This is great. Yeah, I'm excited to jump into this because in the last couple of years, you've really uh, imparted a great deal of knowledge onto me as it relates to practice finance. I'm, I'm excited for you to share some of that knowledge uh, with our audience as we uh, kind of get into the details. I think it's always helpful if we just kind of start with some some context on your background. Could you share a little bit more about kind of uh, what led you to this point and how you kind of arrived at this current point of your career? Certainly. Um, happy to. So I joined Lendever uh, May 2019. So um, coming up on two years, time sure flies. Prior to, the, to joining Lendever, I was uh, with a large national bank. I was with Wells Fargo for 15 years. Uh, several different business banking, commercial lending roles at Wells Fargo, um, primarily based on on serving the healthcare clientele, uh, doing practice finance loans, uh, amongst some other things. I was an SBA specialist and equipment uh, leasing specialist, some different things. But uh, the opportunity to join Lendever, um, a very rapidly growing financial technology company, um, kind of in the younger, almost startup mode came along. And I just, frankly, did not want to be be standing on shore when that Lendever ship took off and have somebody else uh, end up here in the Midwest and 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 not have jumped at that opportunity. I had a couple of colleagues come over to Lendever prior to me joining and got a feel for the, the culture and what we were trying to do here and and uh, jumped at the opportunity. And it's been it's been great so far. So very excited to be here. So you have a, a background in, in healthcare lending and then you have some expertise in the dental side, correct? That is correct. Yes. And you hit on a little bit ago, but Lendever, just to clarify for everyone, it's recently rebranded to Provide. Is that accurate? That is correct. I said Lendever multiple times because I, I haven't internalized it quite yet. It is brand new. Um, just just the end of the year here, we, we did rebrand as Provide. Um, I think the primary reason was, frankly, Lendever was just way too hard to spell for us and our clients. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. I think that I think the, the the primary reason was that, given the long term vision of our company, um, Lendever was singular, really, in that it, it kind of pigeonholed us into really being exclusively a lender, where the longer term vision is to be more of a holistic financial services provider, uh, really a vertical healthcare bank for dental practice owners, healthcare practice owners. So, um, you know, whether it's other banking products, services that can can help doctors succeed financially that are really catered exclusively to that independent um, practice owner. So we're still working to build that out, but that is the long-term goal, which is the reason for the, the, the rebranding and name change. I've been asked a lot of interesting questions, in, including, are we going to see Lendever in the uh, news for, uh, you know, 
some wrong type of wrongdoing or did we get bought or did all the did we merge all these different things and now it is is really just a rebranding strategy got it no thank you for the background so as we as we dive a little bit deeper into to lending and borrowing money for for someone uh, that's a dentist and is interested in a path to ownership maybe just for some some additional context uh, to start kind of like high level uh, what are the different ownership paths, I guess, if you will, that a dentist might pursue and how would those then fit in with provide and the options that they have available? Certainly. So uh, there really are three paths to practice ownership that a, that a dentist can can go down. Um, there is acquiring a practice, which is the majority of what I see in finance is if, a, a you know, Typically, younger uh, dentist looking to to purchase their first practice. Senior dentist is retiring and selling out to the younger dentist, and that is they they come in by the by the assets of the practice, including the patient base and everything else. Um, the alternative option would be a buy in. That is quite common as well. I finance many buy ins or provide finance as many buy ins. I would. Not all of those are done through bank financing. I would say a lesser percentage of them are. Um, oftentimes, those can be done, you know, through an internal compensation shift or essentially seller financed versus bank financed, but can certainly be be bank financed. There's just some different different um, considerations that buyers and sellers have to go through for that. And the third option would be your de novo startup. As well, so um, you know, kind of the, the hanging shingle and, and growing your patient base from there. At this point, unfortunately, Provide does not offer startup financing for a first-time owner. We do offer financing for an existing owner who would like to start an additional location or another practice. But for a first-time owner, unfortunately, that's not a program we have at this time. Uh, we've experienced a tremendous amount of growth by you know focusing on first time owner buyer you know act, practice acquisition deals and existing owners looking to do some type of renovation expansion type project uh financing for existing owners that we just haven't been able to or needed to in a way put the resources behind a true startup product yet that is on the uh that is on the horizon we were in much more serious talks about doing that prior to COVID, I would say. Uh, but those kind of got put on on hold for a little while with our, our um, executive team and our capital partners here too. So so just to recap the, the three paths, uh, one, uh, an owner or excuse me, a dentist is looking to become an owner by buying out 100% of an existing practice. And the, the new dentist buys out the doc by borrowing money. And then the, the previous owner uh, goes on their way or continues to, to work in the practice, depending on the arrangement there. The second one that you mentioned was someone is working in a practice and they buy in uh, to some percentage of ownership and continue to practice there. And then the third option would be someone starting uh, their own practice that is not in existence yet. And what if I want to make sure I understand and clarify for the audience, you guys at this juncture, finance the first two options, but not the, the the cold startup of a new practice, correct? That is correct. Yep. Got it. So for someone that's interested in a path to ownership, if it's one of those first two scenarios, what financially speaking, 
are is is provide looking for what do they want to see what are the characteristics uh, or the profile of an ideal borrower from provides perspective certainly um well what i would would say is there there are a few key factors the the primary one is just a, a an ability to demonstrate what i would call fiscal responsibility uh maintaining good credit is really first base making sure that your credit score is is healthy meaning i mean ideally above a 740 uh if not you know 700 to a 740 below that you're you know getting qualified for financing can be a challenge or if you do the terms may not be as attractive so that in addition to you know understanding fiscal fiscal responsibility related to your personal balance sheet what are your assets and liabilities and right now the primary asset that we and most of my competitors other banks are looking for from a buyer is to have personal cash and liquidity uh cash in the bank is is very important more important now than it's ever been because if there are challenges, stoppages, as we found out can happen in the Dell industry, even due to pandemic, the thing that, that any business can fall back on is cash in the bank uh, as a backstop and ability to cover expenses, unforeseen circumstances, loan payments, things like that. So when I talk to buyers, uh, I often get the question, you know, should I accelerate my student loan debt? Um, you know, a lot of my clients come out of school with considerable amounts of student loan debt. And they they are often at a, a spot where, you know, they want to get rid of it. And that's understandable. But a client of ours, when we're looking to approve them for financing, I would I would prefer to see that they've got cash, liquidity, and savings in the bank versus you know maybe accelerating their student loans or something something like that. Generally speaking, um, you know whatever your loan amount is that you're looking to buy a practice, um, we we may want to see, and other banks may want to see upwards of ten percent of that loan amount in cash liquidity. Um, can you get financing below that? Certainly, uh, but to look, you know, to really be in the best eyes of, of a lender, you know, so that means if you're buying, you know, a $500,000 practice, that's $50,000 of cash liquidity in the bank when you're going to apply. Uh, in addition to, to, you know, kind of your personal balance sheet and, and um, credit score and those things, I would say, Production as well as another thing that we look at. Does the production uh, of what you've done historically as an associate align with the production that you would be doing in this practice? If if you are buying a practice and, ex and expected to produce a million dollars of dentistry, you know, doctor production in a year, but have never done, you know, have only done a fraction of that leading up until that point, sometimes that can be a challenge too. So, uh, and if there is a gap there, what is the plan to cover it? Would the seller be sticking around, you know, then working as an associate for you to help cover that production? And if so, can the cash flow from that practice support, um, you know, support paying for a considerable amount of that production to be, be done by an associate dentist versus an owner doctor? So those are the, I would say the, 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 the main criteria. And, so to, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah. 
So what I was going to say was one of the things that we offer that I think is is definitely a, a differentiator in our business is a rapid online pre-qualification where we essentially check for those things that I just mentioned via essentially a 10-minute online um, abbreviated application that you would fill out or that a dentist would fill out. And it, we do a, a soft credit inquiry into their credit score that does not impact their credit score. So they, they provide us with some basic personal balance sheet information, authorized credit. We ask them a, you know, a question or two about production, takes 10 minutes, and then I can give a buyer a very good idea of what they may be qualified for and what, if any, um, items are that are there that they need to work on in their, in order to prepare themselves for ownership. Gotcha. Well, I got a couple follow-up questions out of that just to close the loop. Uh, so I, I wanted to clarify something you said. So if I understood correctly, you guys are looking for a production history on the dentist as well, not just with the practice. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. Okay. And then the pre-approval process. So someone gets pre-approved. That has, if I understand correctly, been sort of a, a new to the market strategy with dental lending that maybe wasn't in existence in the past. Is that accurate? And if so, could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was there. It existed. I Honestly, I don't know that it was utilized as as much of a, uh, a strong of a tool as what I think and hope and hear that we give to our clients. So, I mean, we can give them a letter that says they're pre-qualified as a buyer, that they can take to a seller or a broker or really the dental community to show how serious and qualified they are as a potential buyer. And I don't think that anyone is, you know, the idea of making that pre-qualification electronic, online, easy, paperless is what we've brought to those, you know, potential first-time buyers. To expedite the process. Correct. So maybe let's spend a little time on the, the pre-approval versus the actual approval. So once someone's pre-approved, does that essentially provide saying if everything, if we verify what you're saying is true in terms of your of your financial history, in terms of your liquidity that you have personally, in terms of what the practice numbers what you're saying they are potentially in terms of what your production you're saying it is, uh, then then it's good to go. Is that kind of the difference between pre-approval and actual approval is the underwriting process? Yeah, underwriting, full underwriting would not have taken place yet at the pre-approval spot. I mean, I wouldn't have engaged any of my underwriting credit team yet. But when we you know, upon pre-approval, it's essentially that doctor's ticket to, you know, may, go looking for their target practice or practices. And in order to underwrite a buyer for a practice, we obviously have to review that practice. And so that means gathering the seller's, um, you know, tax returns, recent profit and loss statement, as well as information related to, you know, things like the types of procedures performed in the practice, what the revenue streams are uh, within that practice, um, information about the facility that the practice is in, you know, is there a lease, does the seller own the building, um, you know, what is the, what's the square footage, how many operatories are there, things like that, just gathering information then on the seller's practice. On, the, on my buyer's side, we've gotten, even with that pre-qualification, 
a majority of the information we need. We're going to need things like their personal tax returns, um, you know, and then some other things in closing related to insurances and things like that. But for the underwriting, at that point, most of what's needed needs to come from our seller, too. Got it. And then the question I'm I'm about to ask is, you know, a little bit. It depends on you know things and trends change. But in terms of loan to value, you mentioned that an ideal candidate for you guys would have at least ten percent of the total loan value in cash and in liquidity. Uh, what percentage of lending is common for a good candidate right now in the early stages of the year 2021? One hundred percent. So we are we are nearly always financing one hundred percent of the purchase price of the practice plus additional working capital or cash to the buyer. So when I say liquidity, that is as a backstop and money in the bank. Um, it is not in the form of a down payment into a, a deal. We are financing 100%. And then for practices that also own the real estate, how does that factor in with the, the lending? Great question. So um, we finance practice purchases that include real estate very frequently. Um, myself, especially compared to my counterparts here in the Midwest, a lot more dentists own their buildings than I would say on the coasts. And, you know, a lot more buyers are interested in, in owning those buildings here. So we very frequently finance the practice purchase plus the building. It is done as two separate loans. The practice this loan again is 100% of the purchase price plus working capital. The real estate loan is then done at an 80% loan to value on the building. So there is an equity component into the real estate deal. The 20% can come from really any number of, of different sources we are comfortable with. It can come from my buyers putting it as cash down if they have the cash to put as a down payment. Many of them do not. Many of them are, are younger dentists and haven't, um, you know, accumulated that type of, of cash yet. So many of my deals are financed through split financing on the building where we as the lender do 80%, seller does 20% financing. So it's an eight, it's an 80 20 deal where my buyer is paying, eight, paying a loan for 80% to us and is also financing and paying a loan the 20% to that seller. And that 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 is essentially like a second mortgage on the on the on the property. The other source can be a, like a, a a family member or friend who is interested in participating in the deal in a way and contributing to it and willing to do some type of financing arrangement versus like a gift if they wanted to finance a portion of that. I feel like that's been uh, come up fairly fairly you know fairly common here recently for for me personally and my clients where there might be a family member who's wanting to to kick in and help and also use it as some type of a, a you know an investment tool where they get a return on that loan for the 20%. So for dentists that are interested in a path to ownership what and there's so many things to figure out right to be a, to own your own practice and they don't always move along at the same speed at the same time it, where in the process does getting pre-approval at least come in or where should it come in ideally from your perspective? 
Uh, really as early as possible. I mean, at least having those conversations and, and getting yourself, um, you know, giving yourself some targets. I mean, I just talked to a doctor today who, when I, I had talked to him nearly a year ago, uh, and he had found a practice he was somewhat interested in. It was a little bit of a smaller practice. Um, he was kind of really just kicking the tires on it. And he contacted me, I think, just through our website and completed our online pre-qualification, gave the doctor the advice that um, he could probably, you know, get qualified for a practice this size. But if he was interested in a larger one, you know, he, he would most likely need to continue to save more. And he had previously been, you know, very debt averse, paying down his student loans as rapidly as possible, but, um, you know, had, had, had kind of shifted gears based on that conversation. That practice didn't really work out. He didn't, I think, have the grandest of expectations that it would. And I asked him who he knew in the marketplace uh, and, and what he was doing to help find practices. And I, I had at that time introduced him to a practice broker that I have a relationship with. And that practice broker got in touch with him and kind of then was now on that broker's radar. And she sent me an email yesterday saying, you know, this doctor had come back around and was interested in another listing that that broker had had. Um, would you connect with him to, to see if you would consider him pre-qualified and just reach back out and see what he's thinking and where is he where he's at? So called that doctor uh, between, you know, about a year ago and today. He has saved considerably more cash and uh, is in a much better position, I believe, to buy a practice. This practice being a larger one than the one he was interested in before. It sounds like they have a meeting tomorrow to, to go over more of the detail about that seller's practice and we'll see where it goes. So, I mean, he, he was a year out and, you know, found some value in starting those discussions and then getting connected with the dental community about what opportunities are out there. Kind of had his hand up in a way saying, I want to own someday uh, what's out there. So, yeah. Interesting, interesting. So there's there's no shortage of sources to get lending if you're interested in practice ownership. What are some of the the advantages of working with Provide? <laughs> yeah, there are no shortages. That's for sure. It, it is it is competitive uh, to to all you you know would be practice owners out there. Uh, you know, banks banks want to lend you money. The business model of owning an independent dental practice is the strongest and best performing of all business models in the United States economy. So financing is, is really in line with that. You get the best terms, the best rates of any small business loan that exists. Um, you do not have to go through an SBA loan, uh, which is a government-backed program like most other business owners, first-time business owners do who want to buy a business. So, um, you know, it, it it's really is a, a never been a greater time to get financing. Financing is still available. And um, yeah, they're, they're hungry to earn your business, ourselves included. To answer your question, why Lendever? Um, you know, what provide, we, Brian, I got to I gotta jump that? in. Provide, right? It's, oh, God, you know what? I, I have to, you know, <laughs> it, it's so new that I just, I got to get it internalized. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Uh, so yeah, so why provide? So we have really been created 
as a financial technology company focused exclusively in healthcare lending to improve the lending process, um, to make it truly 100% paperless, which is what we do. Every day we have conversations about what we can do to improve the experience of our clients, to make it easier, to make it faster, to get financing. So um, we really are able to, to deliver that, um, you know, kind of a high tech with a high touch approach. So my entire team, myself, my counterparts, we all come from deep dental practice specialty lending backgrounds. But now we have the power of, a, of, of technology that we never had at any of our other places to make it a much better experience for our clients. And we can do it all with offering just as competitive of terms as, you know, our bank, big bank, you know, regional bank, small bank counterparts. So um, I think just just making that loan process as as streamlined as possible. So as we record this in, in January of 2021, we're still in the middle of the, the global pandemic that's gripped uh, the world for the better part of 10 months. Uh, and it's had a huge impact on the dental industry as a whole. Uh, how has that affected dental lending? Yeah, great question. I, get, I mean, I'm, I'm asked this question nearly every day. So I think a few, a few things. One thing that appears to be great from our chair is that us, our capital partners, our competitor banks are all, are all still very bullish on the, the dental profession, the independent dental practitioner, and the security of the business model. We have remained active in lending throughout it and, and continue to, to do so. Um, with that said, some things have changed in the lending, uh, really in the criteria of what, what we're looking at and, and most of my counterparts are looking at for financing. I would say, number one, on the buyer side is that liquidity. So pre-COVID, um, I did not have as strict of buyer liquidity requirements for our underwriters that we have that we do today. So it was very easy to, to I think, um, have an explanation of getting loans done at lower liquidity levels if, you know, there were mitigating circumstances. Today, that's, that's more difficult. So the value placed on buyer cash, much greater than it was. The other thing that we're looking at, too, on the seller side really is um, how has that practice rebounded since being closed, um, you know, call it this last spring. So the, you know, what we're doing is examining the most recent two months or 60 days of production reports of that seller's practice to essentially compare them to where they were at in 2019 mm -hmm. or pre-COVID. You know, have their patients returned? Has their staff returned? Are they in line with what they were before? by and large practices have recovered. It does not feel to us or I did not even feel it does not, it is not demonstrated to us based on the data that we're receiving from these practices that, you know, patients are unwilling or unable to come back to the dentist. Uh, do you have a handful that do, you know, decide not to go in? I'm sure you do, but I think the dental profession has demonstrated that, you know, they're not, um, 
they're not, you know, there aren't widespread outbreaks of COVID by, by patients going into the dental office. You know, staff are not getting it from patients when they're coming in. They've got all the um, PPE, you know, needed in order to protect themselves and to protect their patients. So I think that's been really positive. But with that said, yeah, we're, we're making sure practices have recovered and we're wanting our buyers to have more cash. So we hit on earlier the profile and kind of some of the, the big things to look for if, if ownership is in a dentist future. What are, what are some hurdles that if someone is considering ownership down the road, they need to, to be aware of or to look out from so they have the best options for lending when they're, when they're ready to make that leap? Well, I think some of the things really align with what I had mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, demonstrating fiscal responsibility, maintaining credit, cash liquidity being king and, and, and all of those things. So, you know, I think a lot more of it then too also comes down to the transactional side of it when you've identified practices or you're searching for practices. So, um, you know, I think, I think one of the things that, that would be important for most buyers is really to, to prioritize what it is you're looking for in a practice and and not necessarily getting hung up on you know some of the small stuff right you know if, if there are things you it's okay to be picky but you know make sure you're not I would say you know stepping over dollars to pick up nickels and 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 focusing on maybe some of the wrong stuff so that's why I think having priorities in line would be very important um, there are things you can do to the practice down the road, whether it be, you know, implementing more technology that you're used to or, or sprucing up the waiting room or things like that. If call it the bones of the practice are strong, if the financial performance is strong, if the transition plan would be what you're looking for, if, um, you know, it's in the location or the demographic that you desire, you know, pr- really prioritizing some of those things. Um, Got it. Go ahead, Sean. No, it's just uh, as we start to start to wrap up here. Uh, is there anything that I've missed, or anything that's uh, applicable that we haven't hit on uh, as we kind of start to close the conversation here? That's that's relevant and important for uh, potential dentist owners to consider. You know, the big message being you can do it. Uh, a lot of my clients are younger doctors transitioning to practice ownership for the first time that are sometimes afraid of their student loan debt, and I would say that the best way to get out of that student loan debt is to maximize your earning potential. And the best way to do that, that is to own your own practice. Uh, I'm in banking, but I think dentistry is probably the greatest profession out there. And to do it as an independent owner uh, is, is the resources are there. Surround yourself with a good team of people, the right attorneys, the right CPAs, the right financial advisors, the right lender, and, uh, you know, make that dream come true. You can do it. If someone wants to start the conversation uh, about obtaining lending and is interested in, in working with provider, at least seeing what provider has to offer, uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you and start a conversation? Certainly. Uh, you're, you're happy to visit or you're welcome to visit our, our website at uh, www.getprovide.com. You're welcome to contact me directly at Brian, that's B-R-Y-A-N, dot chambers at getprovide.com or you can contact me on my uh, LinkedIn profile as well. should be able to uh, find that here on Sean's podcast. 
Awesome. Yes, those will be included with the show notes in this episode. So uh, Brian Chambers with Provide, really enjoyed our conversation and hearing uh, all the details about your story and your expertise as it relates to working with dentists. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and thanks for being a guest on the Practice Growth Podcast. Thank you, Sean. Really appreciate it. Sean Terrell is a registered representative, certified exit planner, and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PAS is a direct, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Carroll Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Carroll Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Compliance tracking number 2021-114314, expiration date January 2023.